Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Remnant Radio Program, and I have an amazing guest today who I'm so honored. Uh, let me just read a little bit of his bio. It's very impressive, by the way. Dr. Ming Wang, who is an MD, PhD, is the co-founder of a nonprofit called the Common Ground Network, and it's dedicated to his lifelong mission to help people find common ground. Boy, do we need common ground right now. As a teenager, Ming uh, fought valiantly to escape China's cultural revolution, and during which millions of innocent youth were deported to remote areas, facing lifelong sentences and hard labor poverty. He came to the United States with $50 and earned two doctorate degrees, one in laser physics and one in medicine, and graduated with the highest honors from Harvard Medical School and MIT. Extremely impressive. Uh, Mr. Wang and the Wang Foundation for Sight Restoration has helped patients from over 40 states in the U.S. and 55 countries with all site restoration surgeries performed free of charge. That is absolutely amazing, uh, Dr. Wang. And he was named uh, the Kiwanis Nashvillean of the Year for his lifelong dedication to help blind orphan children from around the world. Dr. Ming Wang, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Pastor Todd. It is an honor to have you, and uh, you know I will tell you. In just reading your bio, uh, you know God has really used you, and that's why we had reached out to you because we were just so impressed by the work that you're doing, and and thankful that you have such a heart for philanthropy and also an amazing story. And so I wanted to kind of just start, uh, you know, in your story because I think your story is so important. And then of course I want to get to the the book and the other things that you're working on now. But will you tell us just a little bit more about your story coming from? China during the Cultural Revolution and what you experienced. Yeah, thank you, Todd. It's an honor to be at your show. Um, yes, I grew up in a period of time called Cultural Revolution in China from 1966 to 1976, where the communist dictators decided the best way to keep on dictating is to actually, believe it or not, shut down all universities and colleges wow. of an entire nation and forcefully deported every single high school graduate to the poorest part of the country and condemn each one of us a life sentence of hard labor and poverty. Wow. wow. So, so that was your fate, Dr. Wang, was that you were yeah. condemned to this, this, this hard labor camp type of lifestyle, correct? Yeah, for, for life. And not just me, 20 million others. So when I finished my ninth grade, I was going to be sent away to labor camp for life. Then the only way to escape that, that is to try to play a music instrument or learning dancing so that I might have a chance to get into what they called communist song and dance propaganda troupe. If wow. I could do that, I might be, be able to avoid being sent away to labor camp, being allowed to stay in cities because communist government still musicians and dancers in its propaganda troupe. Wow. So, you know, not any, just anybody can learn how to sing and dance. There's some people that just don't have that gift or talent. Were you able to do this? Yeah, it was, I, I, I had to learn the music and play music and learning dancing surely for survival, you know, yeah. but even if I didn't have very much talent, I have to do it. But then the communist government discovered that I was playing music, learning dancing with ulterior motive, okay. really not for music or dancing per se, but to avoid labor camp. So they stopped my music dancing practice. Then I was going to be sent away for sure to labor camp. Then 1976, I was 17. I got lucky. The communist dictator died. Wow. The dictator died. So the Cultural Revolution ended. And I got the chance to 
uh, you know, apply or, you know, exam for college. And in 1982, with $50 borrowed from a visiting American professor with a student visa, I was dropped at National Airport, Washington, D.C. with that $50 wow. with a Chinese English dictionary, knowing no one in this country could hardly speak in English, but with a big American dream. Wow. You know, you hear these stories, and then here is one of them right in front of our eyes, right in front of our face, where people come to America, $50 in their pocket. I knew someone who came from Bulgaria, a very similar story. And how, what is the first thing you do when you come to America? You have $50 in your pocket. I mean, what do you do? How do you sleep? Where do you go to, you know, eat? I mean, how do you survive with $50? Actually, I, I came in dressed in funny Chinese dress. So people were <laughs> laughing at me on the street. So I knew I had to dress like American and I only had $10. Wow. So what could I do? To, how can I dress up like American with only $10, but I had to do it. Then I found this magic place, magical place called Salvation Army. <laughs> so I stepped <laughs> in. With my $10, I bought a whole trash bag of used clothes. And I put it on. I dress like Americans now. Walked out next day. I got more laugh. More people laughing at me. Then I realized why. Because the, the used clothes I bought at Salvation Army were the, uh, the, the people here, uh, you know, used to wear, all right, in America. But those were clothes that people used to wear 20-some years prior to that. Yeah. So it was like bell-bottom pants and the bright-colored shirts. So they say I turned from a, a hippie to yuppie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, somehow, obviously, you made it, and you've had the favor of God on you from day one, from whether it's during China's Cultural Revolution and just escaping in a very narrow way, I believe, the favor of God because he had a plan for your life. Tell us, where do you go from there? How do things, because I know in your bio, you know, it, it, there's a lot left out. How does it go from you going to the Salvation Army and finding some clothes to getting to one of America's most prominent uh, you know, educational institutions? Yeah, it was all God, but I didn't realize at the time. And, um, but I was very happy I had the opportunity to be able to come to America to study science. You know, you may have, Pastor Todd, you might have seen the movie God's Not Dead. Yes, sir. Um, it's a great movie uh, because it's got a little cute little Chinese student in that movie. That was me. So that's wow. a great movie. Just kidding. But <laughs> that student, that student life was inspired by my life story. It, that's true. So just like that student, I came to this country, uh, was not interested in anything else other than study science. I'm very blessed. I was able to um, got uh, to get two doctorate degrees, one in medicine, one in laser physics, and uh, a graduate from Harvard and MIT. Wow. So then it was in the study of medicine, the structure of human eyes, I realized that science did not offer all the answers to the problems. That is the Christ that gives the design, the designer, why the human structure, human eyes so complicated. Hmm. So I learned that life is not just about science, it's about science and faith. You know, um, science tells you what things are, and the faith tells you why things are. Wow. Yes. And, and, and were, how did you accept the Lord? Did you just come to meet him on your own or did someone share the Lord with you or how did that happen? Yeah. Um, just like the movie, um, God's Not Dead, that um, actually a professor shared the, the, my, uh, the, uh, the, the open the door in my life to Christ. Actually, what I like to do is 
maybe uh, let me show, show you a video this is the second video that I want to show you today it's a little bit clip of the movie Glass Not Dead and yes. also talk about how he opened the door in my life to Christ Let's so go let me go ahead and show you the video now in its opening weekend, the movie God's Not Dead brought in an astounding $9.2 million, making it the 10th all-time highest box office Christian movie hit. And now, in its second straight week, it continues to smash expectations and has brought in an additional $9 million. And you may not know it, but this small-budget film that's getting big national attention has a local connection. Take a look. This semester, I propose that we refuse to waste our limited time together creating the existence of the big man in the sky. Fill in the papers I've just given you with three little words. God is dead. I can't do what you want, I'm a Christian. It's the story of a college student who defends God in front of his atheist professor and classmates. One of his peers he influences is a character inspired by the life of a local doctor. The character Martin in the movie uh, basically paralleled the life of my own. Pastor Rice actually texted me with a photo of Martin and he said, okay Ming, here's the guy who's gonna play you. And I replied, I said, oh, at least he's better looking. <laughs> What happens in Martin's heart is something Dr. Wang remembers well. So I grew up uh, in China as atheist and during what they call Cultural Revolution. From 1966 to 1976, um, the communist government decided the best way to govern is to destroy, destroy the future of all of these young people. His fate was a lifetime of hard labor and poverty, but a chance meeting with an American professor changed everything. In 1982, it was $50 borrowed from him with enough money borrowed from relatives that enough for one-way, one-way airfare that I was dropped out National Airport, Washington, D.C. with that $50 with a Chinese English dictionary, but with a big American dream in my heart. Ming worked hard and eventually was accepted into Harvard. There, a Christian professor took an opportunity to influence him. He took me out for lunch and he said, Ming, what's a cross street? I said, that's a car. He said, what's the difference between car and human brain? As a human brain is a lot more complicated. He said, okay, can you imagine a power of random piece of metal assemble itself into a car? I said, no way. He said, how about human brain? So right then then, he opened a window in my life. Thank you, Jesus is my friend. You think Jesus is God? I saw the truth and began to open myself to faith. And the same thing happened, Martin opened himself. And there's some overlap of Joshua uh, character with me, me in the book as well. In a sense, the evidence that I talk about in the book, supporting the existence of God, these evidence, uh, the, the, the words were, uh, you know, put into the mouth of Joshua, and he was the one who actually voiced and present this evidence. Dr. Wang says he finally figured out that science and faith work hand in hand. Science is about what things are, and faith is about why things are. Now, Dr. Wang's faith in Jesus Christ inspires everything he does. Just last year, he performed a miraculous surgery on a 15-year-old orphan from Moldova, Maria. Și când am ajuns cu problemele de vedere, îmi părea că o să fie totul închis, nu o să am prieteni, dar totul s-a ales prin puterea lui Dumnezeu. The summer of 2012, uh, my husband and I were um, 
fortunate to be able to take our family, um, ourselves and our children to Moldova. And our goal was to work at a summer camp for um, children that the majority of them are orphans. We walk into camp and all of a sudden there's this, there's this beautiful girl sitting there on a bench all by herself. She just looked so sad, so lonely, and her head was down, and nobody was around her. And so um, I went up with her, to her with the translator, and um, I said, hi, you know, I introduced myself. And she told me that her name was Maria, but that's all, you know, I could pretty much get out of her. She wouldn't look up at me, and I, I said, Maria, let me see your beautiful face. Let me see you. I want to see you. And she looked up at me. And it was then that I realized that uh, she had something just terribly wrong with her eyesight. I could tell. A year after Eyeball 2012, that when we first heard about Maria, Maria walked into, uh, came to the United States and walked into our One Vision 3D Cataract and LASIK Center. We sat down and I um, plotted out the whole site restoration surgical plan and involve 10 different steps. Um, each of steps can have two possible outcomes, success or failure. And we can only get to the next step if the previous step is perfect or successful. I know that that's a very small possibility for humans, but God is powerful. Guess what? It happened. God created a miracle. The surgery went beautifully. I see Maria. Can you see? Oh, careful. Can <laughs> <laughs> you see Casey? Look at Casey. Can you see me? Look at her. Dr. Wang, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's hard not to, to tear up after watching a story so touching as that. Uh, you are being used to not only be a doctor, but also to change people's lives and, and do it as a work of the Lord. How does it feel to be able to do something like that and see someone's life affected in that way? That's a great question, Pastor. Uh, often that 
um, friends ask me why I work so hard. I work all the time. I went to school for 31 years straight, and um, I'm really uh, 82. I just age well. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but lots of years, and uh, day and night, weekends, and people say, why you work so hard? What motivates you? What really motivates me is that for that moment when I could play a part in helping someone come out of darkness into light and be there the moment that what you just saw, Maria, that I'm so pretty, she saw herself for the first time. That's worth all the sacrifice, all the hard work. And I used to not understand why they had to go through all this hardship, suffering during Cultural Revolution in China. And now I realized that God wanted me to go through that, those sufferings, so that now as a doctor, I can um, feel the empathy, I can identify with patients who are living in the darkness, who are suffering, because I used to suffer. You know, sometimes I get uh, students ask me, because I give commencement speeches at uh, university, college, graduation, high school, and also at church presentations about faith and science. I believe they are friends, not foes. And students, you know, say that, you know, uh, I don't need to know Christ. I can study hard, just be a good scientist, engineer. And I said, what I, my life, I have learned that God let me go through the hardship so I can feel the pain and suffering of my patients today. I can yes. be better connected to them. And so, yes, science is the foundation you need to work hard. But my life uh, experience has taught me that it's the Christian faith, the faith, the belief in Jesus Christ that give me the purpose of what I'm going to use all the science and technology for. You know, in this case, is to help those who need the most help. Those are blind orphan children that our foundation has dedicated ourselves to. Actually, you know, Pastor taught one of the conflicts today in the scientific-driven society today is as science keeps on developing, it invariably clashes with moral, ethical faith principles. For example, in ophthalmology, we're dealing with aging eye conditions, macular degeneration, diabetes, glaucoma. In order to properly treat these aging eye conditions medically, you have to do research on young tissue, you know, stem cell, fetal tissue. So what do you do? Do you use fetal tissue? If you do, how can you justify hurting a baby for the benefit of adult? If you don't use fetal tissue, doesn't mean just stop researching, watching grandma, grandma losing sight, become blind, suffering from aging eye conditions that for which the only treatment has to come from use of young tissue. And so the science and faith sometimes come into conflict. In fact, many young students, you know, the study has shown that students entering college, still going to church, when we finish college, 75% of them no longer go to church. Mm. Why? Because they don't see the power, the relevance of faith in Christ in today's very fast, scientific-driven world. So we need to address those conflicts. We need to find out what's God's intention. Does God want science and faith to have a common ground? You know, for those of people who know me, the common ground is my life's passion. I always want to help people find the common ground to resolve the great law. Actually, Pastor Todd, I can show you a very brief, brief video about my 20-year journey trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. On one hand, I would love to help my elderly patients improving their eyesight, treating this aging eye conditions. On the other hand, I was a Christian already by then. I did not want to touch the baby. So the okay. question is, should I or should I not use 
fetal tissue when it comes to treating elderly medical eye conditions. Wow. Let me show the second video and this is the last video I'm going to show about my 20-year journey on this tough question. Do science and faith have common ground or not? The video now. Hello, I'm Dr. Ming Wang, and I'm here to tell a story. And through the story, I want to ask one of the life's greatest questions. Are faith and science friends or foes? In today's world, faith and science are often at odds with each other. For example, regarding stem cell and fetal wound healing research, faith dictates that we should leave the embryo and the fetus alone and should not conduct such research. In contrast, science says we should. If we follow our faith and do not conduct such research, then how can we face the patients who are suffering from illnesses for which stem cell and fetal wound healing research may present the only hope for treatment? If we do conduct research on stem cell and fetus, how can we then have the peace with the thought of destroying the life of an embryo or a fetus? Are faith and science truly incompatible or at odds with each other? Which side would you choose? 16 years ago, we found ourselves faced with an agonizing situation of having to answer this question. We were conducting corneal wound healing research and found that in contrast to an adult eye which scars after injury resulting in the loss of sight, a fetus can actually heal without scar. As an eye doctor, I really want to help my patients restore their sight. But I was also struggling with my moral conscience and faith. How can I take life away from an unborn child? We agonized over this dilemma, to the point that we were at our wit's end, and I nearly gave up on the whole fetal wound healing research project. There just seems to be no solution at all. I asked God, James 1.4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. I needed to know that it was going to be a long and arduous journey, that the right solution is often the most difficult one. We began looking at this problem from different angles and perspectives and stumbled upon the amniotic sac, a casing which holds the baby before the baby is born and is disposed of after the child is born. Is it possible the amniotic membrane may in fact contain the ingredient of scarless fetal wound healing process? Excited at this possibility, we began a series of experiments. Finally, after 16 years, we succeeded. Today, eye doctors throughout the world use the amniotic membrane contact lens to cover injured eyes, to reduce scar, and to restore sight. Amniotic membrane contact lens is a powerful example which shows that, in fact, faith and science can indeed work together. Through the study and the use of amniotic membrane, we gained a better understanding of the scarless fetal wound healing process which benefited adult eyes and helped restore sight. All these without touching any part of the unborn child. My name is Ming Wang, and I do believe that not only faith and science are compatible and can work together, but also it is through uniting them 
rather than splitting, can we actually find a new, unexpected, and more powerful solutions to the problems in our lives? Wow. Dr. Wang, you have so much information that you have just given us. You're like the uh, dream person for a reporter like myself and a pastor to, to talk about because you're talking about the very things. Uh, we only have a few minutes left here, but you did mention the Common Ground Network, and I know that you just wrote a book from darkness to sight, and it's, uh, it's behind you. Tell us a little bit about how we can find your work and more information about what you're doing, and I'd love to have you back on the show very soon. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Yes, I'm holding here my uh, autobiography from darkness to sight. And it's from darkness to sight both physically and spiritually. Physically, escaping communist dictatorship, suffering during Cultural Revolution, have come to America for freedom. But spiritually, start as an atheist, now having found God, Christ in this country. And so this book, Autobiography from Darkness to Sight, the proceeds go to our Sight Foundation, dedicated to help blind orphan children from around the world. And anybody who is interested in the book, it can visit wangfoundation.com. And also the book, Pastor Todd, is in the process being made into a major motion picture right now. Wow. It's called Sight, and the, 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 the movie will come out next year. And regarding Common Ground, yes, Pastor Todd, you know, I'm so motivated and, uh, to help us, all of us, overcome the polarization to find a common ground so our nation can resolve the gridlock so we can move forward. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm so motivated is because I used to suffer in the extreme form of polarization, which is dictatorship in communist China. So I came to this country, have found freedom, and realized that America is about freedom, it's about common ground, it's about faith, and it's about responsibility. So as an immigrant, as someone who, you know, you know I take care of patients with vision problems every day, those people who appreciate sight the most are those who used to be blind. So who appreciate freedom the most are those who used to not have freedom, which is somebody like me. So I, I basically my message today is almost I come to share with everybody who has sight how precious side is. I'm coming to share with you all uh, people who always had freedom in America. From my perspective, my life experience, not having freedom once, how precious freedom is. So that's the motivation behind my lifelong dedication to help people find Common Ground. We have a nonprofit organization called Common Ground Network, co-founded by me and my pastor, and we study and formulate the Common Ground Seeking Steps and the S is uh, thinking common, start seeking common ground, T is trade places, E is empathy, P is partner, and S is seeking common ground. And guess what? The person who truly inspired us to formulate this common ground seeking steps is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Because his life, Christ's life, is the best example to seeking common ground. You know, what's better example than actually uh, of trading places than actually become one of us to feel what we feel, to suffer what we suffer. And actually he died for our sins. So Jesus Christ is the ultimate, ultimate inspiration for us to seek common ground. I, and I think as Christians, seeking common ground, to talk to people 
who are not believers, who have different view than us, you know, to let them feel the love of Christ. It's not an option. It's necessary skill that all of us need to have as Christians. That's, right. That's right. Dr. Min Wang, you are an inspiration. The book is called From Darkness to Sight. It is available now online. You can go to www.commongroundnetwork.network. And you can also go to drmingwang.com. And we thank you, sir, for all that you're doing. God is truly using you. And we'd love to have you again on soon, sir. Thank you, Pastor Todd. It's an honor to be at our show today. God bless you. Thank you so thank much. You. And we'll be back with more.